0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. HBCU Pride. I believe in HBCU culture, and I believe in HBCU sports. This is what our show is about. HBCU Pride with Tim McCain and Derek Hawley. You're listening to Believe in HBCUs. I believe. With Tim McCann and Derek Hall, today we have a very, very special guest. This is our first guest on the uh, Believe in HBCU podcast. We are here with esteemed uh, reporter, esteemed uh, face of HBCU sports reporting, Donald Ware from Box to Row Syndicated Sports Show. Mr. Ware, how are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys, really
1: appreciate you guys having me on. Man, the pleasure is ours.
0: Yeah, the pleasure is ours.
1: So uh, I want to get right into it. Um, what led you to um, become a sports reporter and what led you to uh, be interested in reporting on HBCU Sports?
2: Yeah, so I appreciate th- that question. So, you know, I grew up in the Washington area, big, big uh, Washington football team fan, Every, everything Washington Bullets at the time, Capitals, Orioles, there was no Nationals. So I was always a sports guy. And, you know, when I think about it, I, like when I was, I don't know, uh, maybe seventh or eighth grade, I used to do these. I used to listen to an all news station when I got up, and I used to write these sports reports and give them to my friends. So I, I, don't, I think that's where it first started. Um, I listened to a sports talk show uh, called uh, Sports Call with Ken Beatrice. It was on WMAL. But when I used to go to, to bed, I would listen to um, either Bullets games, Capitals games, Uh, And then Larry King. So Larry King had a syndicated radio show. I think a lot of people know Larry King from CNN, but Larry King was a syndicated radio guy back in the day. And so I just had an interest in radio and sports. And so once I got to college at Morgan State, um, I became uh, the sports editor of the Morgan State Spokesman. And really, to be honest with you, just went from there. Loved reporting not only on Morgan, but HBCU. That's really where my HBCU reporting started as a student, uh, the sports editor at Morgan, St- at the uh, spokesman of Morgan State University. Wow.
0: That's amazing. So, you know, um, I would not want to say no. I see you got <laughs> a lot of sharp, sharp <laughs> stuff back there. I'm going to let you slide today. You know, there's always going to be a rivalry and whatnot. So, uh, so the biggest thing I know today's news is about players joining HBCUs. Do you think it's a good thing? How do you feel about it? Yeah. No, I think it's great. I
2: mean, I think, you know, especially when you, when you saw uh, McCure maker make his announcement um, that he was ultimately going to Howard has ultimately signed uh, from my understanding, anyway, that national letter of intent. I think that was the big thing, you know, until you sign it, it you know, it, it could go right. either way. Plus he had NBA aspirations, right? So right. he right. signed it, he's enrolled. He's done a video to say that I'm a Howard student. He's enrolled. So I think that, Will open up a lot more avenues for other uh, players like him, five, four-star, five-star recruit, to 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 sort of come in. I mean, when you but but if you think about Howard, I mean, you go back to you know R.J. Cole, who who's left Howard now uh, to go to and transfer to UConn, was a kid out of New Jersey going back to 2016. He was a three-star kid that came to Howard. So I think we're you know I think we're going to see it more now because of where we are with the whole social. Uh, injustice movement, right. uh, which I think is great and you know I, I th- I, it, you know it's interesting it's it's almost like and I don't I don't want to be critical, but it's like these young people are they see what's going on but somehow the parents of the young people missed it along the way. I don't hmm. and I'm a parent of it an, and let, let me tell you, I'm a parent of a young person. I've always encouraged my children obviously with HBCUs. But the young people are seeing it for themselves. They don't need anybody to tell them what is going on. So I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing. And I think we're going to see a lot more players, uh, five-star, four-star, et cetera, come to HBCUs.
1: So that yeah. kind of leads to another question. Oh, you going to say something there? Yeah, I
0: got a second part of my bad. So, yeah. So I was telling, me and Tim had a conversation like, yo, it's great. But do you think schools like a Duke would want to lose to Howard? I don't think schools like that want to lose to Howard. Or, or even schedule them to put them on their schedule to play them. Because with basketball, nine times out of ten, you need exposure. Like, football, they're going to find you. If you dominate any league, they're going to find you in football. Basketball, it's a little bit different. I feel like, you know, they need to see you, see you put up numbers. They want to see you, your three-pointers, your dunks. Do you think those Division One schools will support and add how to their schedule?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you, yeah. I mean, to your point, so you don't want to look, you know, if you're, if you're a Duke, but I, I mean, and I, I, I know what you're saying. Cause we're in, the, you know, we're in the triangle. So Duke is that school. I right. think coach K and I know you're using Duke as an, as an example. I think coach K is one that would do it anyway, but it, it, to your point about a bigger school wanting to schedule a Howard. I mean, I think you still, I think you still will. Um, I think that there needs to be enough of these players that commit to these schools. And then the other thing is a lot of these players could be one and done type of players. So can you really start to build a program behind these type of players? I think that's something that isn't really being talked about that we probably need to have that conversation.
1: I agree. I agree. So that kind of leads to my other question, which what do you think HBCUs, uh, reporters, and just the community needs to do to, to, um, educate, to inspire student athletes to be a part of HBCUs and not necessarily just join for one year, like what you were saying, maybe for like two or three years to help build the program.
2: Yeah, I think that's where you need more of the guys. Even if you're four or five star, that's not a one and done. Um, but I think r- reporters like yourselves, like others, just need to re- just need to report. They, I think we need to remind people that the greatest players that ever played The respective sports, most notably football, have went to HBCUs and we're for. We talk about social justice. We're forced to go to HBCUs. I mean, Alabama wasn't having it. The schools in the ACC, SEC weren't having it. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. Big Ten was a lot better, and the schools up north were a lot better. But I think those stories need to be told more. That a uh, we come from royalty. Uh, as mm-hmm. HBCU people, some of the greatest players, and two. Remember, I mean, I, I, I'm all about moving forward, but like, we can't forget that we weren't included in at those respective schools, and I think that we as reporters need to continue to tell those kind of
1: stories. Exactly, Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Go ahead, sir. so um, my next question is like, you've been doing this, you've been a part of Box to Row since 2005. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. So. What were some of the uh, lessons that you learned from 2005 to 2020 when it comes to sports reporting?
2: Wow. Um, you know, one of the things I think is just to sort of get better at your craft. Um, you know, I think even when I started, so when I, when, when, when I, when I started Box to Row, again, I, I mentioned to you guys I was a huge sports fan. I didn't have a lot of sports talk experience. I had at that time some play-by-play Um, Experience, but not a lot of sports talk experience. So I would listen to shows to kind of like I would listen like I like I would listen to Mike and Mike, right? I would listen to you know Jim Rome and Tony Kornheiser and try to sort of get a sense for how they did, and not to take their style, but to sort of get a sense of how uh, they sort of sort of did what they do. So I think that's one of the things you got to get better at your craft. You got to be factual. I think you. I I, th- I I don't like to get into a lot of hearsay and thing and all that. I, if, if I hear something, I want to confirm it mm. before I report it. That's just me. I think that's something that's super important. That's something that you know we've tried to do here at Box to Row um, for quite some time. So I, I I think those are a couple of things that just kind of jump out immediately.
1: I agree. There's one thing that I've um, noticed. You know, you know, doing sports reporting for the past two years, it's like. Um, reporting stuff that um, athletes want to tell out and also knowing information that also they'll just tell you, but you don't put out. Right. You know, that, like that confidentiality. Like a lot of people in today's society, they might like just want to push everything out and they don't necessarily care. Like, have you ever – do you ever feel like um, as a reporter, like have you ever crossed that line or would you advise somebody – Hey, look, you you shouldn't do this.
2: Um, I'm gonna be honest. I, in all the years that somebody told me something in confidence, I never put it out publicly. I mean, I, I you know, I don't remember that that I have. I don't. I don't think I have. And I, I, I that I don't believe in doing. Somebody, I believe if somebody tells you something in confidence, mm-hmm. then it should be. Now, if they say you can, you know, I want that out there, or can you, you know, maybe. You know, put it out there softly, or whatever the case may be. I think that's a different scenario. But if somebody tells you something in confidence, it's more for your inform or situational awareness. If you and then when it when when it comes out, maybe that person will, you'll be the, the the first person that that person talks with publicly mm. about it. And you have to have that trust right. with student athletes, with athletes, with coaches, administrators, etc. And if you have that trust they're gonna come to you with some stuff and then when they're ready to talk about it, you may be the first one they talk with about it.
1: Yes, sir, yes, sir. So you've had, um, I, was, I was reading some of your articles, including the one on Maker Maker, but also I found interesting, you have your own, um, your own All-American team, tarot All-American. So my question to you is, who are some of the best boxero All-American players that you've ever reported on and named? Wow, You could have like ah. like five. Let's say three to five. Okay.
2: So Darius Leonard. I mean, my goodness, you know, I mean, is, is he right? Like, is he, I mean, arguably the best linebacker in the league. He was a two-time defensive player of the, of, of the box row Willie Davis box row player of the year. Um, Javon Hargrave came right behind, uh, right uh, be, uh, behind him. And also at South Carolina state, he was two-time box row defensive player of the year, um, uh, Tariq Cohen obviously was was really really uh, good. I'll tell you, and that's that's three. I'm going to tell you someone I think we 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 missed out on, but I think it's because we came out with the All American team the year after he left. Dominic Rogers Cromarty was like really really good at Tennessee State, first round pick. Um, I, I can't I, I guess he's still in the left. I think I don't know if he's a free DM, He's still, you know, I think he retired he good. Though, uh,
0: free agent. I don't think he's on the team
2: currently. Right. He was he was nice. He was nice. So, you know, he was he was a guy that I remember quite well. Uh, you know, I'll tell you another guy I remember quite well, Jacoby Jones, uh, who was out of lane. Now you're talking about a guy that came out of a division two program, uh, ultimately was drafted by the Houston Texans, and then you know, had that great play in the Super Bowl in 2012 when the Ravens won. He should have been the MVP that year. He had the kickoff return for the touchdown to start the second half, and then that 70-yard uh, catch, those were two big plays. So those are, or uh, at least four, of the guys I remember. And then one of the guys we missed on, uh, and I, and again, Where's I can't remember if it was. Yeah, it was the DRC. And I can't remember. We, it may have been the year before we started the All American, and we have voters that actually vote on the All American.
1: Wow, that's what's up. That's amazing. So, um, my uh, one one of my last questions is: What advice would you give to young reporters who like want to follow your same your 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 uh familiar footsteps? Somebody who is kind of like independent, you know. I I, I respect the way you've kind of done this, you know, being a Facebook friend of yours and just studying it. I, I kind of want to move similar to like how you move. Me and Derek probably similar to this. Like, what advice would you have to? Someone like us, or to anyone else who wants to be uh you in the future,
2: yeah, I mean, keep at it, it like it, like don't ever let anybody tell you you can I mean I've told the story that we we started Boeau, you know we were paying for airtime, uh, had like five or six stations across the country. I was driving to Baltimore uh, from, from time, uh, three of the first four weeks to host it, ran out of money, I had to come back to Raleigh. I had one station carrying the program, but built it, but from there built it back up and built. And like you guys, I have a a passion for HBCUs and HBCU sports. And even the question you asked me earlier, like even with those shows that I really admired, they weren't talking about HBCUs and HBCU sports, which is why we started uh, Box to Row. So I would say um, continue to stay on your grind. Never let anybody tell you no. And, you know, really have either a mentor or someone you can really talk to about how this works. If you guys remember the 15-year the, the anniversary, Kevin Frazier came on. Like I, when I was a student at Morgan, he was a Morgan alum. I called him out of the blue and said, hey, Kevin, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And he gave me a lot of advice. We're still friends to this day in excess of 20 years later. So you, you should also have somebody that you can
0: talk with that has been where you're trying to go. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, so I see that you have you done a lot of high-profile interviews. So you doing Jerry Rice and Jim Brown. How was that like? I'm assuming were you in uh, interviewing those guys? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, particularly Jim
2: Brown, because Jim Brown was earlier in in my in 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 our in our infancy, maybe four years in. So. You know I was I was nervous and I, I listened mm-hmm. back to some of those old shows guys they were awful I mean but the thing about it you got to start somewhere like you got to start somewhere and continue to build it right so uh, but the gym I, but but the one thing I was proud of I asked Jim Brown about the photo of all the black athletes the, the great black athletes at that time and I asked him what it was like at that time he gave me an mm-hmm. answer and then he ended by saying, I'm glad you brought that particular inc- uh, incident to light, and that made me feel great. The Jerry Rice that was, uh, you know, that was 2013, so I was a little bit, you know, more into it, so I wasn't as nervous. But after, it's still at the end of the day, it's still Jerry Rice. There so I you know, <laughs> yeah, like, I, and I get nervous sometimes with, you know, with with, with anybody. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I feel like it's, a, I I am so honored when we can ask for guests to come on the show, no matter who it is. It just so happens that some of them are more uh, high profile than others, but all of the guests that we have on Box to Row are important to me.
1: Wow. Right.
0: So let's, I, want, I want to take it to a moment and time to read now. I want to get your thoughts on the Bucks today boycotting Game 5. Even though it's not, I, I think it's if it's the time, like I wasn't shocked that the Bucks boycotted today, but I understood Right. Like, I understood, like, yo, this, especially because it's in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, it's in, on their turf and grass. I, I just want your thoughts on that. You, no, I think, I, I you know, listen,
2: uh before the NBA players came into the bubble, a lot of them had concerns about would the social justice message be lost? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I mean, I don't want to say it. It 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 was in the NBA, but if you think about it, when you watch those game those games in the NBA uh, every day, you know the Black Lives Matter that's on the court and the names on the back of the jerseys, they become it, it's just a regular thing. Like you you're used right. to. It. And so, when this incident came about, unfortunately, and I mean, this is look, you know, George Floyd wasn't going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Blake ain't going to be the last one. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to continue to have these conversations, but I think. The, the, the step that the Bucks took is like, okay, the influence that these owners have, that the NBA has, they need to now talk to Congress people and people that can make these decisions for police reform. And so exactly. I'm all for it. I'm interested to see
0: what's going to happen a little bit later on this evening and then right. sort of moving forward with these games. Wow, I'm, I'm interested
1: amazing. too.
0: The first thing, the first thing that I thought about it, right, like, yo, know, the, the players can, can miss out on their money they could understood, but if I'm the owner and I want change to happen, I would tell like Congress, like, if, if change don't happen, I'll move my team to St. Louis. And I think that's a better way to really get people to understand and to stay like, yo, you messing up the money. Like my owner, I'll think about moving my team if something don't change. No, That'd I
2: think be it's, huge. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. And that's the way you have to do it. Like I think. You know, generally speaking, the, the people that are in power may not necessarily that can make these changes may not necessarily care about the NBA. And then those of us that do don't necessarily have per se the power to make those changes. But when you have the Bucks do what it did, and then the NBA ultimately co-signing and canceling the rest of the games, at least for tonight, yeah. that that's big. And I and I but but again, I think the higher-ups ownership. NBA, etc., need to have conversations with the people that can really start to make the changes.
1: I agree. Yeah. I agree. Do you think then that, um, what do you think about them players like setting up their own dollars to make up their own leagues, like African? I mean, what do you think about that potentially?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 a lot of people have asked me that. I mean, you know, you gotta, pull, yeah, you gotta pull some serious money together, but I think if you can, if, if, if and I don't know. Like I think every money talks like you got to be able to really be committed to doing that. Like and, right. and everybody don't have deep pockets like that. And mm-hmm. even those that have deep pockets may not want to do that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be for it, but I don't know, um, you know, you'd have to have a lot of people and a lot of, you know, a lot of money for to to make something like that, especially if you're trying to do it on the level of the NBA. Yeah.
0: That that'll be tough. Like like me and Tim had these conversations a lot. We had this conversation more back when the XFL was going. I said, Yo, Tim, they're gonna fail because it's not enough capital being put into that. Right. Ultimately, yeah. they failed. I think you know about the Rock buying it. People will support the Rock, the rock, right. the Rock brand. So I he might has a better chance of, of reviving that. But like, I think with other leagues that go against a conglomerate that's a billion dollar business weekly, it's, it's going to be 10 times as Like I don't think nobody people, rich people, they will lose money, but if they put a cap on how much money they will lose. Yeah, right. I,
1: I agree. I agree. But there was a time in the NBA where there was an NBA and an ABA. You know, there there right. was a time. So, I mean, there there is a possibility where there could be another league and there's a lot of uh, millionaires that the NBA has made throughout the years, not just currently, but, you know, it could be some of the old the OGs. Yeah. <laughs> put up money, you know. Yeah, but
2: you, you know what? I mean, I think – and you guys are local. You know, you guys are local. So, I mean, even if you look at that – what was it? That football league that happened last spring. Like, um, yes, the, yeah. the Hurricanes owner, he he put some money up. But to your point, he capped oh, it. He was like, this is how much I'm putting up. <laughs> and if we don't do that's that, true. I'm out. You know, and he was out. So, uh, I think that's true. a good point, you know. Yeah,
1: so. so true. So, so hey, what do you
0: think? The, what you think the NFL should do? Like, do you ever th- do ever, do you ever foresee the NFL putting a black Black Lives Matter in the middle of that field for national TV? I I didn't.
2: I hadn't before now, but boy, you 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 guys know you you see the um, comments that Goodell has made more recently, specifically this week about Colin Kaepernick, and they should have listened more. He even talked about it. Uh, what a couple of months ago he's starting to sort of make references to it uh i i but i don't know i don't know man because i think the the in the the fan base of the national football league and the fan base of the nba is uh, there's some crossover don't get me wrong but it's separate fan is different fan right. bases and i just i mm-hmm. don't see the national the national football league got a whole lot of work to do i mean we got with right. you know Let's talk about black leadership, general managers, ownership. Let's talk about uh, uh, coaches, uh, all of that mm. kind of stuff. So um, I, I don't see that they will, uh, at least not anytime. time. I just don't see that they will anytime time.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on, especially when it comes to the coaches. Like when you study it, you also notice how like they'll have like, you know, defensive coaching positions for black coaches, but not offensive. And most people hire offensive coaches, not defensive coaches. Yeah. Um. But I think for NFL players at this moment, because it's a different, uh, you know, fans, they got different fans. They'll have to do more so of their work on the outside. They can't do more work on the inside. They got to do more so on the outside. But what would you say about that when it comes to NFL? Like, have you noticed that as a reporter, like how the NFL – like when it comes to lack of coaches, but when they do hire black coaches, it's more on the defensive side of the football, but in the reality, they hire more offensive coaches.
2: Yeah, so like, I mean, I think a prime example to your point is Eric Bienemy. like he should be a head coach. Like they won the Super Bowl last year, but he's not a head coach. Something's wrong, you know, something's wrong there. Um, but look, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you guys, I think part of the problem, and, and to your point about the defensive coaches and and, and the coordinator positions, and, yeah, there, there seems to be more black coaches on the – just defensive, period. But I think it really starts at the FBS level. Like, we need more black coaches mm. at the FBS level. You know, I think if you have Agreed. more coaches at the FBS – black coaches at the FBS level, then you're going to have an opportunity to have more head coaches at the National Football League level. How many coaches this year were hired – uh, or in the last couple of years, that were FBS head coaches. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so I think I think the NCAA is uh, in the FBS is part of the problem also. Um, but you know, I, you, I would love to see more. To your point, more offensive coaches, and I think at least from one example, the Eric Bienem situation yes, sir. is definitely uh, a, a shame. And I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume he wanted to be a head coach, but the fact that he's not—if he—if he did want to be, and I'm sure he did. It's certainly a shame coming off a Super Bowl victory. That would have was a white coach. I mean, come on, he beat, he beat yeah. and we've seen lesser guys uh right. that are head coaches than what Eric B has been able to do as a coordinator.
0: Right, yeah, I agree. Uh what's the Chicago coach who was in Eric B one year got a job. But also look at it like this, Eric Bien should be a coach, but he, he could just be the coaching way in the KC. So why why give up a great job? And which they could be training you to be the head coach. Andy Reid's not
1: a to coach too much longer. Well, maybe. I. I yeah, I,
0: I, I don't
2: think, know. I. I think. I, I, I mean, I, I. I see your point. I just think that. You know, if, if I just think, I don't think he was presented an opportunity to be honest with you. And I think if he were, you can leave and go somewhere else and come back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't. I don't think Andy Reid is going anywhere. And I would. I don't know, but I would say at least the next, you know, I'm sure he's, t- his, you know, his staying in KC is tied uh, to the quarterback's contract, right? So exactly. I think he's going to be there at least five more, you know, five, six more years. Um, right. But right. You, you can always leave and, you know, and, and come back. And I think Eric b
0: would be an excellent head coach. I think he would. Talk. I actually wanted him for Carolina before we got Matt Rule. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, you know,
2: I mean, we'll see. You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, Panthers, but obviously being here in the state, I, I keep up with them. I, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see how the Panthers do, man. Like I don't like the way the whole Cam Newton situation went. Yeah, I hated it. They did my dog so
0: wrong. Oh
2: man, yeah. He almost didn't even have a job in the league, and now he's paying, playing basically for peanuts.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's really disrespectful uh, what they're doing to Cam Newton. Um, but hey, we'll we'll see what happens with the Patriots. You know, he might blow it up, and then. You get that big money he, again, he, he I go, mean. He's going
0: to definitely he go blow it up. He's going to definitely blow it up. So let, let's take it back. Let's, I want to take it back to HBCU. I know we got all on track, but we're going to take it back to HBCU. Last week, me and Tim dropped our top five HBCU athletes. If you can give us top five HBCU athletes, who would that be? I think our consistent number one was Jay Rice. Number two is Walter Payton. Yeah. I think I had uh, – I like one and two. I, I you had I a Deacon. Jo- did you have Deacon Jones at three? I had Deacon Jones three. I'd uh, I with Let me, me Joe Green four, and Steve McNair five. Yeah, I,
2: I like that. Like I did a thing. I did a, a piece for USA Today. Um, they asked me to rank the top one hundred national football, or or really AFL and NFL players of all time that played at HBCU. So I think that was like my like my top five. I think you got to have Sam Jones in there, like for, that, played you know, play uh, with the Celtics. I mean, if you're talking about athletes, overall athletes. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but, you, but Sam Jones over um, Earl the Pearl Monroe.
2: Yeah, man. He won 10 championships. 10 <laughs> championships. 10. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You know, um, I mean, I don't know. I, just, my preference would be, I mean, Earl, respect, Earl was respect, nasty. Respect. Don't get me wrong. And they won a national championship when he was at Winston, right? So I mean, I think you got to give him some credence there. But boy, when Sam Jones was playing back in the, when it was North Carolina College for Negroes, I mean that that was some not not that was some serious ball. I mean, I, you could go either way there, but I like Sam Jones. Um, you know, in my top five. I mean, let's not forget about the track and you know Edwin Moses. Let's not forget about the track and field athletes that went to Morehouse. Uh, you know, so that's a tough one. Like it's so many. That's, mm-hmm. And until you guys point in the beginning, that's the thing, man. Like. So many, it's, and it's not just athletes. Greatness has come Great. out of HBCUs in Great. all uh, 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 in all parts of society.
1: Exactly, right. exactly. Well, Mr. Ware, we uh we thank you very much for your time. Um, we we're just thankful for you to um just you know drop your wisdom, to
0: your presence, and drop that wisdom.
1: Well, That's look,
2: true. like I said, guys, you reached out. You guys reached out to me, man. I was more than happy to do it. I appreciate you, um, you know, thinking that we're trying to get some things done. And we are. And, uh, you know, been doing it a long time. And if I can help you guys, you know, with with what you're doing, if I can be any help, just, uh, just please let me know.
1: Yes, sir. We definitely will. That is all for Believe in HBCUs. We believe
0: in HBCUs.
1: Peace, family.